Hello and welcome to the Geek and Review Podcast. I'm Jeremy Pappas alongside, as always, a man whose aim is to make this grand country grander, one Mr. Russell Jones. Russell, how you doing? I just wanted to say that I absolutely do not endorse this message at all. Because I have done nothing to make this country any better this past week. That's not. That's not. Well, this past week, that's that's definitely true. I was forced to post a web story about Honey Boo Boo. <laughs> that we'll like get to, we'll get to Honey Boo Boo eventually. That like wipes out two years of good. That's true. You you are destroying this country, tearing it apart brick by brick. Um. Other than the destruction of our grand democracy, what else has been going on? Uh, lots and lots of video games because Torchlight 2 and Mists of Pandaria both came out, so I have been trying desperately to juggle, you know, loot pinatas and massive click fests versus pandas and Pokemon. Pokemans. Pokemans. <laughs> I've actually, I haven't been playing pet battles as much as I thought I would because the, the rest of the content for Mists of Pandaria is really compelling. Uh, I just started... Last night, I took my paladin and decided I'm going to level him first through the end zones and um, the actual, you know, Pandaria itself. And they've added a whole heap and hell of a lot of stuff to this game because when you played World of Warcraft originally, the kind of the whole world wound up being in vanilla where you had to go and you had to run all across the world. And they were very fond at higher levels of giving you these quests that took you from one end of the continent to the other or from one end of one continent to the other because, you know, journey, right? Right. It gives you something to do. Right. And also they didn't really have much else to do other than, you know, reputation grinds. So that was vanilla. Then when Miss, when a uh, Burning Crusade came out, Hellfire Peninsula was like, oh, this is you know this massive war-torn zone from the Outland, and it's the biggest zone that we have ever created in game. And you know you played through it, and there were there was all of that. And then when Wrath of the Lich King came out, you didn't really have the whole massive zone thing, but they had lots of story with you know melded into it. And Cataclysm came out, and they said, oh, Vashir is like the massive biggest zone. Now I miss a Pandaria. I'm playing through the Jade Forest. It's freaking huge. Yep. I mean, I, th- I think it would take the whole of Outland in one zone. It's just – it's gigantic, and there's a ton of story in this, and it's – oh, it's fun. It's, it's kind of, of funny. Fun. They've worked really hard. I know that it's been some kind of a progression. They've worked really hard making movement – easier and faster because that's something that nobody likes is having to you know hold down a button and move forward until you get to where you want to go but that is a generally required time sink i mean you can't just push a button and appear wherever it is you want to go so it's kind of funny that while they've on, on one end of the spectrum they're making people faster and more mobile and on the other end of the spectrum there are people who are making more and more and more stuff to go over so i imagine at blizzard you have uh, there's one room where people work only on getting people to move faster and making mounts faster and making travel faster. And then right across the hall are the guys who are making the zones bigger. So yeah. it's it's almost it's like a competition. Right. You you have one's inflating or, or they're, they're, they're like moving together. One's inflating and one's deflating and they're trying to but it's but you kind of stay at status quo. You have much larger you move much faster, but the zones are much larger. So yeah. eventually you're gonna move at light speed, but the zone is gonna be like as large as the universe. It's gonna be so Eve it's online. Still gonna take, right. Yeah, so it's, it's gonna still gonna take the exact same amount of time. You're just traveling further and faster, which I, it's it is interesting to me that that they've kind of got themselves into this gunfight of you know bigger versus faster. So here's the thing though that I would counter that with: it's not that oh it takes me you know even on my 150 percent speed land mount or whatever I'm at you know with all the movement boosting effects. Because uh, I remember back in vanilla WoW. It was a big, big deal to get this one trinket, the carrot on a stick, that increased your movement speed by 3%. And everyone, you know, oh, when you get to this point in the level, make sure you get this and hang on to it. And it was, it was one of the few items in the game that increased your speed. And now you have classes who have a 20% in, increase to movement speed always. And then they're, you know, the lane, lane speed is 150%. The, the flying speed is 300%. It's crazy. So, yes, the arms race does exist. 
But the thing that Blizzard is doing that is important is not just, oh, let's make the zone bigger so it takes them the status quo amount of time to travel, even though it looks like they're going faster. They're also doing, okay, it's going to take them 30 seconds to travel from this part of the zone to this part of the zone, from this questing experience to this questing experience. What do we want them to see? What do we want them to hear? You know, from in terms of, mm-hmm. is there going to be little things where they tr- pass by something and they hear an NPC yelling at them or something else is going on? You know, do we want the music to change? There are notes that occur that are not just, um, that are not just, what do we want them visually to look at as they travel along our pretty Right, they're highway. putting more stuff there. Exactly, and they're, they're consciously making that travel an interactive part of the story experience, which is, I mean, it, it speaks really highly when it's done really well of how much design and work goes into this game. If they have it down to, we know it's going to take you this long to go from this hub to this hub, and we're going to add a couple of things that occur as you travel through that area, it's amazing when you see it done. Mm-hmm. It, it adds so much to the immersion, and it adds to the overall story, you know? And then there are the people who flat out ignore it, who speed through and who are, right. who are complaining as they're, and they're right racing to get to level 90 so that they can get flying because you can't fly at first. And I want to just – I want to hit them over the head with a lore Bible. <laughs> I want to hit them in the head with a lore Bible as hard as I can. Yeah. It's like, slow down. Life is to be savored. Okay. No, I don't, something... I don't want – I don't ever want to hear your Pandaren uh, accent ever again on the podcast. <laughs> You want to stay as far away from WoW as you possibly can. Well, not necessarily. I will say <laughs> I, I will say I don't really want to talk a whole lot about WoW right now because it's only been out for just a bit. Uh, kind of give it some time to to uh, to to seep, I guess, or to steep into uh, and kind of get some more get some more air under its wings, so we can kind of really see how it kind of flourishes out. Because there's always that. It's almost like, and this this kind of ties in. It's almost like right after a uh, right after a national convention, the the polling for whoever just had the national convention, they usually ignore it. They they, they expect there to be a bump there, and that's kind of the way that that WoW is. When it starts off, there's this bump where everyone's playing it and it's new and it's great and it takes you know a few weeks, a month or so for it to kind of all for the newness to wear off. Mm-hmm. And for people to really start looking at it the way they're going, the, the way it's going to be, you know, the way it's going to be known, the way it's going to be thought of. So it's it's still new. It's still fun. Uh, it, and I'm, I'm not saying it won't be fun, but it's it's still new. So it's it kind of a little hard time to, to get the perspective on it. Right. It takes a little bit of time to get the perspective. And speaking of national conventions, we, we always talk before the podcast and we'll occasionally come up with uh, an overall theme. It doesn't happen very often, but um, we were talking before this podcast began and realized that we can do, drumroll please, kind of a political podcast, but not really a political podcast but kind of a political podcast let's start with these disclaimers we're both in news and i'm you know was a reporter and anchor so i care very much about about not you know i don't get into the partisan stuff as much as i as as much as some people do so if you're listening to this podcast you're not going to hear you know us complaining about one thing or complaining about the other you probably listen long enough to get get a sense of of you know how we how we are and who we are and, and the way we think about certain things, but we really, in this case, and this, these topics coming up, care a lot more about the process and about the hilarity that can come out of the process than about right. any individual candidate. Right, and I just I personally, people who know me very well know that I'm kind of a political junkie. I like the whole thing, uh, which is rare. Most people that I know, especially my age, are like I hate politics. Politics is, is pointless i love politics i like to read about it i like to watch about it i think it's very i think it's it's fun and interesting it's kind of like sports to me outside of normal sports but um it's it's which is actually I, part of the reason why i'm not a fan of, of modern day politics that's true. it is though. it is sport like yep. but uh this we're, we're definitely not going to be uh endorsing a candidate one or the other or anything along those lines because you can talk politically without talking uh partisan politics which i find myself doing more often than uh, more often than not. But the first thing I think that's really the most important thing that happened this week is something 
that a lot of people haven't really heard of. And it's a it's a bill that was introduced on Tuesday. I want to I want to say it was on Tuesday. It's it was introduced by a California congresswoman named Zoe Lofgren. And she calls it, it it would amend the Electronic uh, Communications Privacy Act, and she calls it... The Global Free Internet Act of 2012, and it was introduced last Friday. Right, and this is being introduced primarily in response to SOPA and PIPA, if you'll recall all that, that ballyhoo. Yeah, the the Protect Internet Privacy Act and the Stop Online Piracy Act. That essentially just turned off your favorite websites for a day. Um, it is in reaction to that and the sort of the, the focus of this act is to ensure that the denizens of the internet, people that are internet savvy, aren't going to be affected by lawmakers making laws about the internet without having any knowledge of, of how the internet works. It's essentially protecting internet savvy, uh, consumers and people from non-internet savvy lawmakers which is in my estimation an incredibly good thing that i think anyone listening to this podcast can get behind 100 percent if if it actually does work as intended because this is what the bill seeks to do it seeks to create a task force and people would sit on this task force that are not government employees. They're citizens that have been – this is – first off, this is hilarious. If, it's, if the House bill uh, you know, stays as it is, then this task force would be selected by people nominated from the internet. So people would use the internet to make submissions of, of you know, people they want to see on this thing. Then the president would appoint some people. The – Leader of the majority and the minority in both the Senate and the House would each appoint people, so that you also so that you have not only you know two people being appointed from each side of the Congress, but you also have people from the majority and minority party. So you have a uh, ideally you know two probably hyperpartisan things that that will then clash and you have a yin and a yang work together. Exactly, yeah. you'll have a bit of balance, which is the way and, which is the way it almost has gotten to a point that it works in a partisan way you kind of have to have you have to have enough as much white as much white <laughs> that was not a Freudian no. slip you have to slip see i put a w in that word too you have to have as much right as you do left you have as have to have as much republican as you do democrat to kind of to kind of cancel them out it's it's very ac and dc yeah, the flip side of this is that there's also that that core bit of people that would be nominated from the internet and uh, appointed by the president, so that if those partisans basically break down and do what Congress is doing, and that's you know refuse to work together because it's an election year or for whatever reason, you have this other group of people that ideally would then be like, uh, okay, we're just going to move on, you know, while you guys sit in your corner and do your thing. Right. I would like to say first thing before literally anybody else cuz this is not made really big news but I think it will as it gets closer I would like to officially throw my hat into the ring to join this task force <laughs> Jeremy's Jeremy is the right in nomination <laughs> because I believe a I would have a lot of fun and b the lols will be epic the <laughs> lols oh the lols I want the lols uh, but no, I, I I would like to officially to all of the Facebook list or to all of the I would like to officially to all of the podcast listeners throw my hand to the ring, nominate me. I will gladly accept your nomination. Vote for me. I will gladly accept your votes, and uh, it'll 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 be fun. I'm sure Russell wouldn't mind it either. But I would I would I would love to do this to do this task force. This is exactly the kind of political nerd thing that I would just I would have kill myself to do. You got to just wrangle that presidential nominate uh, appointee ship after yeah. after you get nominated uh, to I'm, it. So it'll come later. I'm Details will come later. So what is the task force supposed to do? According to this bill, the task force would meet, and they would uh, they would also have members from like the the trade office, uh, so, several other government agencies that already exist and are in you know connected with internet and trade acts, and they would put together a report. The first report would occur nine months after this act is enacted, 
acty acty you know legal language and they the report would include things like you know we find and these certain practices these rules or regulations these laws that international countries have basically these things exist which act as barriers to the free and open uh access and use of the internet because it's the whole thing they're talking about trade barriers with this the whole point of the bill is to combat trade barriers that threaten the maintenance of an open internet that mandate unique technology standards as a condition of market access and related measures in other words you got to have this one widget to get on otherwise you're screwed right and to promote online free expression and the free flow of information that's the stated goal of it and that's kind of how they would go about it. They would meet. They would put this report together. The trade, the trade secretary or whoever would then go through the report and investigate and potentially bring up, you know, this needs to change. These traded practices need to be stopped. This needs to be looked at as antitrust, yada, 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 yada. That is the stated purpose of the goal. Now, if we'll remember, like most politics, just because they call it something doesn't mean that it's going to actually do what it says it does. After all – SOPA and PIPA were like, stop online piracy, protect internet piracy, or privacy. It's like, uh, okay, sure, both of those sound good, but in reality, they were, they were going to do something that a lot of uh, businesses that work on the internet found very, very not cool to what they wanted to do. My concern with any kind of task force like this is that, okay, how much teeth does it have, A, and B, who the hell winds up on it? I think the fact that you nominate people from the internet is kind of catchy and interesting, but then the president turns around and chooses from those and appoints who they want. The people in Congress appoint the people that they want to appoint, which means there's always going to be, even if it's the most benign, not really doing anything task force out there, there's going to be lobbyists involved to get their people on board so that their interests are met. Whether those lobbyists include actual internet people, you know, like, could you imagine a FARC lobbyist or <laughs> I, I, the, I was thinking about who could potentially get, garner enough votes to be put on, to be put up for consideration. And the first, I mean, a couple of the people I was thinking of would be, uh, you know, Drew Curtis from FARC. Um, I was, <laughs> my first thought actually was, um, Moot from 4chan. <laughs> <laughs> which would be ridiculously hilarious um but right i mean you could make the you can make the argument that it's it can be hijacked for practically anything that's done in government because it happens all the time it does happen all the time that's that's true but the issue you're running into is that there's no alternative it's either this or do nothing i mean there's no way no system is perfect Right now, for many, many reasons, our system is very imperfect. Now, it, it's not always been like this. It, it has, in certain periods of time in, in the history of the country, been like this and gotten better. So it's – and I, I know a lot of people always think that it's the worst that it's ever been, uh, but it's not. I mean – even if it is, it does – it's all cyclical. It gets better. Things change, and as – one thing we can say about America that I don't think enough people say and isn't said often enough for where other people can hear it is that in the end, regardless where we start as a nation, what we believe as a whole – people, what is popular, what is widely accepted – Eventually, America does the right thing. It takes a while, but eventually America does the right thing. We can get bogged down and mired down, but eventually the right thing is done. And I think this is a – it's a good idea. Am I or anybody else with a brain or a pulse going to say that this is going to fix everything? No, there's no chance that it's going to fix everything. But this is a good idea. I will. I'll point. I'm reading a book right now, uh, called Perfectly Legal, and it's by uh, a reporter named David K. Johnson. Johnston. Go look it up on Amazon. It's a really good book if you're really if you like to read about the tax code like I do. And it talks <laughs> about so just me. Uh, I need the I need the the crickets from Google Plus Google Hangout right there to to turn on. Yeah, we miss the Google Hangout 
sound effects. We need a soundboard. <laughs> uh that hey i'm gonna i'm gonna think about that but yeah. anyway perfectly legal it, it's subtitled the covert campaign to rig our tax system to benefit the super rich and cheat everybody else it's a nonpartisan book but in the book it explains from the the point of view of this reporter who's done all this uh who's done all this digging how the tax system was implemented and what has caused it to become what it is today, which most places, which which most people would agree, is a complete clusterfuck. You have you have things that were intended to do one thing when they were uh, when they were uh, announced or when they were originally adopted. I'm looking at you, alternate uh, minimum tax, and they are now doing what is literally the complete opposite of what they were supposed to do to, to a detriment. And it's gone so far that it's almost impossible now to fix. Now I don't want to get into taxes, but the the one thing I want to kind of put in your brain is that the tax code at one time was a logical thing that worked well. And it's been this very slow creep of people, something else that's that's very important to know about tax politics and the economy is it's really fucking complicated, really complicated. It's not something you can just read about and know. It's extremely complicated. What's happened over the years are people, by people I mean lawmakers, so I guess maybe I shouldn't say people. Oh, da, 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 da. so uh, they voted on measures that make massive changes to our tax code and they don't understand it. They vote for stuff that see that has a fun name like, you know, protect the internet or make sure everyone has lots of money and everyone uh, pays taxes and America's great bill HR 77469. You I know, I would flip that and mention that a lot of times, though, it, it's not 100% necessarily, I would argue, that they don't know what it means. It's also that their constituents don't know. Right. No means. one really understands it. You have people in – and I'm I may, I'm going to kind of sound like a conspiracy theorist, but I swear that I'm not. You've got people that write these bills that deal with something so complex as the economy – as the internet, as the military-industrial complex, who understand what they're doing, and they're writing the bill for a specific purpose in mind, a purpose to allow them to do something. They say, I want to do X. Well, to do X, I would have to be able to do Y. How can I make Y seem like a really good thing for lawmakers and for people to want to do? Okay, well, that's how we do it. Now we'll have them vote on it. And this has happened over the years, constantly down the line, bop, 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 to a point where... You have you have people, you have corporations, you have those with a lot of power who are really able to subvert the tax system. Now, that's not to say that that you know any sort of partisan politics, one way or the other. I guess my overall point here is, had someone like Zoe Lofgren in the nineteen in the early nineteen sixties said, "Hey, I have an idea. How about we create a task force?" that's filled with people who understand the economy and understand how taxes work and we treat them seriously like like serious you know people who know stuff and we defer to their expertise we would probably we wouldn't have as many problems as far as our tax code today we wouldn't we wouldn't have as many problems so this to me is and since i'm reading this book uh, and it's it's kind of gone over the history of of how this this how taxes have kind of spun out of control, and I think that exact thing if this would have happened with the tax code it's it's like that's what's kind of happening with the internet right now. It's a lot of people who don't understand it taking the advice of people who want to exploit it, but they're dressing it up and they have they have enough money to hire marketing people like me to make the to make things seem better than they are or to make it seem like a great idea with no downside knowing in the back of their minds that yeah when they pass this we're going to be able to do this 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 and this and we're free and clear and we get this great you know boost to whatever it is we want same thing with sopa and pippa the 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 lucky thing is that people on the internet saw this and said hey wait a minute that would be a horrible terrible thing because 
I don't believe that politicians that were that that all politicians that were voting for or considering voting for Sopa and Pippa understood what it was going to do and were voting on it because they supported that. I believe that they had a meeting and there was a PowerPoint presentation and someone said, we should do this and it'll do this and this and this and this and this. And it seemed logical and they were going to go ahead and vote for it. So it didn't seem like it was going to be a huge deal. Kind of the same way that I, that I was just talking about with the way our tax system has kind of devolved. Luckily the internet stepped in and said, Hey, you guys need to chill out and read this thing because if you vote for it, we're going to revolt and you don't want to see an internet revolt. You've never seen so many fake toy lightsabers in your whole life. You- now there's there's an interesting element of that that goes back to something you said earlier. When you said, you know, we have a system, we either have to do something about it or we do nothing. And the thing is, in many cases when it comes to regulation, businesses prefer do nothing. In, in this case, someone might say, well, the system worked as intended because they were looking at this thing, but then all the businesses stood up and said, hey, this is a bad idea, and you're going to get – you know, they, they brought their influence to bear, and the thing didn't go anywhere. And some argued that it wasn't actually going to go anywhere to an ex, you know, in the first place, but, but this was an opportunity to you know, kind of bang the drum and move around. However, that's why I think that – I, I seriously doubt that this task force is going to happen because video game industry, movie industry, you know, th- those digital media entertainment industries that the internet is also, you know, tied in with, as well as like social media, social networking, they are going to prefer on the scale of do something versus do nothing. They're going to prefer do nothing. Less regulation is better for business in in the larger sense than more regulation because it's hoops you have to jump through it's mm-hmm. things that you have to you know watch out for and look for and who says that the people on the uh, on the task force don't have the same problem i mean the idea is that from a meritocratic standpoint you know meritocracy people who are more skilled or more experienced with something are better at you know should make the decisions that these people would be better in line to make the right decision or or the right recommendations of these things are good these things are bad but who's to say that an entire one you know disagreements exist in the in the business world as far as what you know platform is better or what you know IPv6 versus IPv4 you know those those disagreements exist and some people cling to those arguments and side one way or the other the same way that they do in political arguments so Who's to say that you know business interests or lobbyists don't wind up filling the board with people who agree? Oh, from a business perspective, SOPA's a pretty good idea. It'll allow you know the people on the music industry or the movie industry to be able to recoup a lot of losses that they've been bleeding heavily. So, you know, we looked at the PowerPoint presentation. You know, the, the couple of people who weren't backed by these interests and had a specific agenda they looked at this thing and they listened to the argument they're like yeah it looks like a pretty good idea i mean we got to recommend something right we're sitting on this panel doing something well so that's, see, not that's nec- my that's my concern about well, see, it see that's not necessarily right the thing is people don't want to change it's it's true if a system is is working well there's no need to change it and to fix it the issue is while some people say, yeah, we want less regulations and you and it's the the common thought among people is that businesses want fewer regulations. It's not entirely it's not entirely accurate. Look at the uh, look at the, um, the there are statewide debates over taxing online purchases. I live in Arkansas. Walmart is headquartered in Arkansas. Walmart loves this idea. Walmart really wants you to tax, uh, internet purchases. They they love that idea. Why? Because Amazon hurts Walmart. And the less business Amazon does, the more business Walmart does. Now, Amazon is not... Amazon hurts Walmart like a very large kid sitting on a slightly smaller kid on the playground. <laughs> Probably not to that same extent, but still. 
the point I'm trying to make is that to assume that all businesses want less regulation is to assume a fallacy. A business is going to want regulation that helps itself. If Walmart had their way, you would tax the hell out of online purchases so people can can roll down to Walmart and roll back prices right into the Walton's pocket. Now, the purpose of the task force is not necessarily to do something. That seems seems stupid, but the purpose of the task force does not necessarily have to be to do something. The task force can keep something from being done because people are going to the go- people always, especially, I mean, that's what a lobbyist does. A lobbyist works to have government do things that are beneficial for whoever they're lobbying for. You're going to have a lobbyist coming from Walmart to to a government panel saying, here's all the reasons why we need to put uh, sales tax on internet purchases. Here's all these reasons that we need to have people pay more for online stuff. Now, there are good reasons for doing this. There are good reasons for doing everything. There's bad reasons for doing everything. No, no, there's no such thing as something that has only good effects. I mean, look at something as, as simple and fundamental as, Hey, as a nation, why don't we make, why don't we make food extremely abundant and very easy to get a hold of? That seems like a great idea, right? Then you get childhood obesity and McDonald's and Burger King and type two diabetes because food is cheap and easy and extremely fattening and people are eating more and getting sick and dying. Wow. The whole corn syrup argument. Corn syrup made it much cheaper to put sweetener in food. Therefore, they put more sweetener in food. Right. You know, and food became cheaper and people started eating more of it and which thus is, became obese, which is one argument about how the childhood obesity as well as other types of obesity came about. Right. So you're looking at something that sounds on the outset like a great idea, but is actually but it, and and is. I mean, there are I don't have any I don't have any information to back this up, but I'm going to assume this is true. There are fewer people that starve to death in America today than there were 50 years ago. I ha- I have not looked that up. But I'm relatively certain that's probably true. Uh, if only because... Uh, I'm going to have to fact-check the podcast. All right. Uh, fa- fact-check the hell out of the podcast. I'm going to fact-check that after I do a quick clarification. Well, yes, I did get the spider thing wrong last week. I'm sorry, Adam Philpot and Macy, who thank you, pointed that out to me multiple times this past week. Yeah, so. a quick aside to explain that to people who might not remember the other podcast because they've uh, drank since then. Like me, uh, Russell said something on the other podcast about Kevin Smith having written a treatment for Wild Wild West, and the guy who was talking to Kevin Smith about the treatment told him, kept telling him to put a giant spider in it, put a giant spider in it. Kevin Smith left. They made Wild Wild West. They had a giant spider in it because Harry Potter was coming out, and Harry Potter had a giant spider. That's, that's not entirely the way it worked out. I'd say that's barely a third true. <laughs> that's that's yeah, it's about a third true. But the I will to give Russell. I, to give Russell a little bit of a boost, um, he's not very smart. Ha 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 ha! To give Russell a little boost, the core of that is true-ish. <laughs> what he was talking about, it wasn't a blatant lie, uh, but it, it, there was a there was a, a core of truth there but yeah it was a superman script it wasn't wild wild west and the guy did wind up working on wild west there's i think that we linked the kevin smith because it's from an evening with kevin smith and i hadn't seen it in forever i think we linked the video at some point so it's it's worth watching again just because it's, listen to it's the podcast funny. portion and then watch it and see exactly and you can kind of that gives you the inner machinations of russell's mind it's like oh i see how this guy completely screwed up his anecdote which he didn't run by his fact-checking <laughs> wife first but, but getting back to what i was talking about the, i think the the best thing this task force could do let's okay let's let's take this back to before sopa and pippa and let's assume this task force was in place they could have avoided this being a thing entirely they could have said yeah the because you're dealing with people with prior knowledge that's the important thing we can't expect the people that we elect to know everything if you start talking to me about how to fix a 1970 chevy nova i'm not going to be able to tell you a damn thing except i could probably change the alternator because i had to do that a lot but i couldn't tell you really virtually anything else 
because I don't have that sort of information, we can't expect a lawyer from Boston to know a damn thing about online internet piracy and e-commerce. Because he's a lawyer from Boston. He knows about, you know, child support cases and things like that. So it's essentially a panel of experts that can take a look at something and give their expert opinion. Now, I think Russell's Russell's concern about the quote-unquote panel of experts being staffed by essentially the same people that are pushing the regulation who are going to say, in my expert opinion, I believe that my buddy over here, who I literally worked with yesterday, is completely right, and he's actually also very good-looking, and you should you should do anything that he says, and more. Let's buy that kid a sandwich. You know, I, I that's the thing that we don't necessarily, that we don't want to happen. And if that were to happen, then yes, this would be a detriment to what it's trying to do. But I'm going to be a little bit more positive and say, you know, with the online voting for the people thing and with allowing all these different agencies who are going to have all their different heads and power structures that assuming we get the right people this could be a really good thing and it could ward off some of the things like SOPA and PIPA that are going to come because you have major interests who are going to want to change the internet for their own, for their own uses. I mean, the internet I've said many times, I don't know if I've ever said it on the podcast, but if, if not, then I'm, I'm coining it right now. The internet is still like the wild west. You can still do whatever you want. There are, there's a lot of freedom on the internet that people take for granted because they just take it for granted. There's a lot of freedom on the internet and we need to keep it that way because that's what makes it great. That's what has made the internet so damn powerful and what has made it so universal because of the freedom that you, that you experience on the internet. I mean, look at Twitter and how the Arab spring kind of rolled itself into this, this social networking microblogging site and became this this incredible thing for human rights and for people in the Middle East. If the internet were regulated, that would never have happened. Ever. You would have the official Libyan Twitter account saying, things are fantastic. It's like uh, the guy from the Iraq War, the defense minister, who's standing up with his hands up saying, oh no, the Americans, they're running like dogs. We're killing them in the streets. And like in the back, there are guys with like Dodger caps on riding on a tank with American flags everywhere. And Toby Keith is playing on the top of it. You know, oh no, the Americans, they're they're being shoved out. They're, they're running like dogs. And there's literally a Starbucks behind behind him you, you you would kind of get that sort of thing so or let's put it in another context what about the uh profit film that's been causing all the demonstrations right you know the, the whole part of the whole stop internet piracy protecting your privacy someone could lodge it the thing that youtube and google was really getting in on this was that someone could s put a note in there and say this is a uh this is a uh, violation of blah, 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 or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, it needs to be taken down. And then it, there has to be, you know, they have to, according to law, if, if that act had passed, immediately put, take it down until they appeal to get it back up, you know? Right. And again, that's an anecdote. We talked about Wild Wild West already. <laughs> it's been a bit since Sopa and Pippa came around. I don't know. It could have been something to do with Spider uh, with, with the Spider and <laughs> Superman for all I know. Kevin Smith may have been involved there too. We're not entirely right. sure. But uh, I'm vague, but I'm pretty sure that was one of the central arguments about, you know, this is why this thing is bad. Russell's because <laughs> Yeah. But Your name is Russell. You know that for Yar har har. <laughs> But part of the thing with with YouTube and the profit film is that you know there are the countries who are trying to block its internet block its access in their countries from people to seeing it. There are you know people who are asking to remove this thing from YouTube, mm -hmm. and it can still be found out there. Yeah. Well, a, a wise man once said about ten minutes ago on this podcast that, <laughs> that great that, that there's nothing that is purely good nothing that that is great and there's no downside to and that includes freedom of speech now one thing that I will I guess I'll come out of the closet about is that I am a voracious supporter of freedom of speech even when it's terrible shit like the Muhammad film even when it's Westboro Baptist Church, 
being doing what I do and being in the, the, the market that I am and just my personal beliefs is that freedom of speech, speech is sacrosanct and people abuse it and it's going to cause terrible things. But at the same time, it's such a fundamental right of humankind to be able to say what you, to be able to say what they need to say that you have to take the good and the bad. So I, there are are consequences that there are, like I said, good and the bad. Now the consequence, now I have very few people I find have actually seen the Muhammad film. I have, I sat through the whole thing. Did you sit through the whole thing or the whole trailer? No, that's the thing. A lot of this has been about the trailer. Yeah. It's like a 15 minute long trailer. Right. No, I sat through the, I I watched the whole thing. The Muhammad film, not to get really (laughs) super sidetracked, but the Muhammad film is designed to do exactly what it did. It's not somebody saying something that's defensible by anybody on this planet by saying, well, that's, you know, that's their beliefs. That's what they truly believe. And they should have the right to say it and they should be heard. Nobody believes that they should be heard. Nobody believes that they should have the right to say it. It's a should versus must. They should not have the right to say it. They should not have their feel their beliefs heard because their beliefs were solely to harm other people. It was solely to harm. It's the same thing as Westboro Baptist Church. They're not out there protesting because they believe God wants them to call soldiers fags and that they're all going to hell. They don't believe that. They'll claim they believe that. What they believe is they desperately want somebody to punch one of them in the face so their army of lawyers can sue that person for thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. The yep. Pe- the next time you see a Westboro Baptist Church thing, when you realize, oh, this is all a scam. This is all a litigious scam, so that Phelps's kids, who are all lawyers, can go into the courts and if they're denied their permits, that's the other part of it. Is right. if they're denied, then for free speech, they go in and they claim, oh, we're being violated and blah blah blah, and they and they push for settlements, which sucks and it's gaming the system and it's wrong. But when you see that and you realize. Oh, it's all money. It makes it kind of sicker in some point, and it removes some of the whole. It it takes right. a lot of the wind out of the sails of some of the people. They're who not wrong or fanatic. They're just fucking evil, and you and you understand that they would rather cause harm to people to make money than to just go work at McDonald's. Now, the Muhammad Group, they aren't necessarily trying to do this oh, for guy, money. guy. I don't the, know how much group is involved with it. Well, I mean, there are actors in the film, and it's but the and the actors claim that they had their voices were dubbed over. Oh and, yeah, there is dubbing in the film. There's quite a bit yeah, of dubbing in the film. That the things that they had no clue that they were duped okay. as part of this whole thing. I Cause, see. Cause I, there's, a, I, there's too much that's that I see that's gone on that that yeah that I've, I mean I've seen the film. There's too much in it that you have to. I, I won't get into that because I haven't read as much about their argument. But the film yeah. was intended to do what it did. Unfortunately, yeah, yeah, yeah. as as a as a strong, ardent defender of free speech, I can't say that it should be taken down. I can't say that it should be restricted, especially on the internet where where everything's free. But at the same time, people have to come out and say that they're against this thing and that this is not the way that we believe. And when they created this film, it was picked up by people in these uh, in these other Arab countries who let's be let's be honest. They knew what it was. They knew it was some crazy fucking jerkwater people putting together this film to piss people off because they hate Muslims. They knew what it was. The people in the other countries that decided to broadcast it, they did it anyway. Why? Because. Hey, they're okay with Muslims getting pissed off about a film they shouldn't really get pissed off about um, if they know what it is and likely wouldn't. But it was spun a certain way that made it seem like it was more accepted than it really was. So that's sort of that whole thing. There's also, speaking of, you know, other countries posting stuff and spinning it a certain way. The official Iran news agency ran an Onion article as fact. They've done that many times before. Oh, yeah. So when I, when I just heard that and I saw that, I was like, oh. Because I know some people here in the U.S. who look at the Onion and go, wait. Wait, that's true? It's like, no, 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 no. That's not true. Oh, okay. 
and that's how the conversation ends. Right. I mean, there are there's actually a website. Um, I. I'm not going to be able to pull it up right now, but I will try to link it in the podcast if I can find it. That is, I believe it's a Tumblr that's a collection of people who see uh, who, who see articles from The Onion and think that they're real. <laughs> um, and I, several podcasts back, I mentioned a law that was on the internet that um, made it difficult that ex- that sincere extremism or exaggerated parody, there's a very blurred line. And at some point it becomes extremely difficult to see the difference between extremism and exaggerated parody. Yeah. Um, that's called Poe's law, which I, I couldn't remember at the time. That's called Poe's law and Poe's law said, and, and that's essentially what we're seeing at play here that an Iranian that, I mean, it's about, it's about propping up what you already believe. If an Iranian news organization is run by people who think death to America and that America wants Iran to fail, if they find something that agrees with them, they're going to publish it. Even if it's an onion article and because, you know, they don't necessarily have things like, you know, widespread satire of the government and (laughs) things of that nature. So anyway, we've gotten to very serious topics. I would like to get out of very serious topics since we have probably about 20-ish minutes left. Yeah, I'd like to talk about the combination of presidential debates and Halo 4. Okay, first of all, the presidential debates begin next week on Wednesday. It is the first presidential debate itself. Now, there's been some confusion as to what they're going to be talking about. So take a minute. And we're going to clear up any of that confusion so we can get on with with what's good about this. The first presidential debate is October 3rd. It will focus on domestic policy. That is a presidential debate. The second debate is the vice presidential debate. It is October 11th. That debate is going to be kind of a catch-all for all debates. That's going to have foreign, domestic. It's the vice president's only chance, the vice presidential uh, candidate's only chance to really debate one another. So there, that's your your grab bag, everything's included debate. The third debate, which is the second presidential debate, is October 16th, and it's at Hofstra. Uh, I have a friend that goes to Hofstra. And it is a town hall meeting where people in the audience will ask questions and the candidates will answer them and will be moderated, blah, 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 blah. It'll be foreign and domestic issues. It'll be whatever people want to ask. Right. Uh, The third presidential debate is uh, held in Florida. It's the fourth debate total, third presidential debate, and it will focus entirely on foreign policy. So and that's now, October you know, 22nd. So it's domestic, vice president, town hall, foreign. That's all you got to know. Then that's October 22nd. So now you know all that. Now, Microsoft wants to give you special Halo avatar armor for watching three of them. I did, <laughs> I did not make that up. Take a second, replay that section of the podcast. They want to give you free Halo 4 armor. The kind of stuff that they would normally charge you like 20 bucks for, you know, on the store. They want to give it to you for free if you watch three of the four debates using Xbox Live. That's a big thing. I've noticed recently they've been running more ads on the console about the uh, about their political coverage and about this and that. They're really focusing on or making a push to show people, look, it's not just video games. It is more than just something to stream Hulu and Netflix on. You can do a lot more. You know, We can do a lot more with it, and we're doing more with it. And to that extent, they're saying watch the debates, three of them. You know, Watch the debates on Xbox Live. If you watch – Three of the four, we're going to give you a free set of Halo 4 Warrior armor. I love this. Now, now, note, I'm somebody who is going to watch the debates. I, I'm looking forward to it. It's like it's like my favorite TV show is coming on. The Republican debates were awesome. I watched virtually all of them. Uh, that's how sick I am. I watched all of them. They were great. <laughs> now, I've been waiting for the presidential and vice presidential debates for a long time. Uh, because it's to me, it's it's just it's something that I love. I, I I watch the State of the Union, and I I that's a holiday for me every year. And this is like a this is like my Olympics. <laughs> I enjoyed the Olympics. I like these Olympics way more. Um, so you've got the four debates now. I'm going to assume that you're not like me because I fully understand that I'm sick and there aren't people that are like me uh, on Earth normally. And you're thinking, shit, I have to watch three debates to get the free Halo armor? In reality, reality, you have to, you know, turn on your Xbox, 
punch up one of the debates on the Xbox and then flip the TV over to another input and watch something else. Maybe. I don't know. I'm just saying, because because this is the gamer culture, they're going to try to find the loophole there, that will I mean, give you, them the free thing they want without having to work for sure, it. Sure, that's, that's a loophole. But you know what? <laughs> Take a minute and watch it just just watch them you're getting something for watching them just watch them they're 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 good they're interesting if you really get into them they're 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 good you should totally watch them and I... if you want if you want another reason to watch them we have actually two of them for you the presidential and vice presidential debate drinking games the debate drinking games are always a lot of fun i did the last time I did a debate drinking game was in 2008, and I believe it was the vice presidential debate because that was just awesome. Just so awesome. Uh, this year, there are uh, there are the, the four debates. You have to watch three of them. I suggest if you maybe you don't care much for politics, why not watch them and get totally wasted with your buddies? I'm totally cool with that. Um, so first of all, we're, we're going to, I'm going to link on the podcast page, a Tumblr. The Tumblr is youngmanyellsatcloud.tumblr.com. And he has some limited drinking game rules for the debates. Um, you're going, that will kind of help you with the presidential debates, uh, for the first debate, which is on October 3rd, this Wednesday, uh, you drink, according to this list, you drink when someone says slash does. Tax, jobs, Medicare, Europe, unemployment, job creator, health reform, Obamacare, Romney care, health reform, immigrants, deportation, undocumented workers or illegal immigrants, uh, or Obama smirks or Romney cackles. Uh, that's would, not that's not terrible. That's not bad. I would also throw in if someone actually does say Obamney care, finish your drink. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's not bad. Uh, you can go ahead and take care of that. No problem. Now, the vice presidential debates are, are always a lot of fun. And this year, it's people tend to think they know how the presidential debates are going to go, but the vice presidential debates are still pretty up in the air. People don't know entirely what's going to happen. So we at Geek and Review are going to create the official Geek and Review vice presidential dr debate drinking game that we will unveil next weekend, just in time for the vice presidential debate. And we're going to play the vice presidential debate drinking game and you can play with us because we're going to post it on the podcast page and it's going to be, and probably live tweet it. And it's going to be, we will live tweet it. That is something that we will be doing and it's going to be geeky and politic -y and wonderful all the way around. So look for that. We will, we will get into that a lot more next week, but that's going to happen. Happen. So the question you might ask is getting back to the, the halo armor. You have to watch three of the four. What three of the four debates do you watch? Well, one, Russell. obviously you watch the vice presidential debate. Assuming now. you're going to watch the vice presidential debate, you, right. which you, sh you should, because there are three presidential debates and one vice presidential debate. The vice president is an important guy. People tend not to know what he does, but the vice president is an important guy. And I'm not going to get into why the vice president's an important guy because, excuse me, excuse me, the vice president is an important person. Vice president doesn't always have to be a guy. The vice president has to be an important person. Um... So it's an important person. You should watch it. it just it, and it's going to be probably the most entertaining of the two because Paul Ryan has his kind of mystique and Joe Biden. You never know what Joe Biden's going to say, uh, and he kind of has his mystique as well. So it's going to be very interesting. Two very interesting characters debating God knows what. Um, is I, I will say this: if anyone starts talking about you know how many horses are in an eighty-four Trans Am, Biden's probably going to win. Just saying, just saying. Uh, so you're definitely going to watch the vice presidential debate. Of the other three, which two of those should you watch? There's a, there's a yeah, domestic there's, policy. There's which a is moderated by Jim Lehrer. Right. There's a foreign policy debate. That's moderated by Bob Schieffer. And, and then there's the town, then there's town the hall. town hall. That's with Candy Crowley from CNN. Now here's here's my picks. I think you watch the town hall because any time that you throw you know, that kind of a, an atmosphere where you have people chosen from the audience to ask their questions, there's going to be a lot more 
there's going to be a lot more tension built into it because to a point, you know, the candidates have their talking points and they are going to be skilled at taking what someone asks, which is, you know, something like, do you like cigars? And twisting that around into something else like, ah, this is why gay marriage is bad. Right. They're. That's just the way they are because you'll see this almost all the time in any debate. They will take a question. They will say something that is not even partially related to it, but it will give them space to think and formulate a response while they spit out a talking point or a rehearsed statement, which gives them time to think in the back of their head. And then at the end of the question, they'll answer back around with a statement You know, instead of sitting there and thinking and then coming with a direct statement, they will – just say stuff to fill the time while the back of their mind is processing and thinking, okay, which talking point do I line this up with? And then they say something. <laughs> or if they're one candidate, they'll say, um, I have listened over and over to, again. <laughs> yes. I have listened to lots and lots of politics that I have interviewed personally, politicians that I've interviewed personally. That is how they all talk. Yeah. Some of them are more overt about it than others. Some of them have other kind of things that go in there. I'm, I'm personally a fan of interviewing my BB from Arkansas, but that's just me. Um, but that's that's what you're going to hear. With a town hall debate, you're going to have people that are getting up and asking questions, mm-hmm. and they're going to – you know, the, the onus is going to be on the candidate to talk to that person and answer their question, which is a lot different than being at a podium and going, you know, going through the spiel to a moderator. You know, there's there is a remove that occurs when you're on stage, when there is a debate that's going on, when you're talking to a moderator. You know, and and there is a crowd, there's an audience, but when you're doing the town hall thing, it's completely different. And yes, right. to an extent, it's a little more unpredictable. You don't so, know what the what the town hall people are going to ask. Now, you don't necessarily know what the moderators are going to ask, but you know the topics they're likely going to cover because you have people that because you're all sort of in you're all, you're working in the same business. You have experts who know what those what that organization is looking at. And they're going to be able to give you pretty broad definitions of there will be a few surprises, but not very many because you can kind of prepare for that. A town hall is I won't go as so far as to saying it's a lot more open because it's it's not really these people are chosen to come in and do these things. And you're not going to have anyone coming up there saying, why yeah. are P- why is the airport putting poison in the air from the jets? And then have a presidential candidate have to go, uh, security. You're not going to have that happen. But you're going to get some, you're going to get some wacky things going on. So I agree with the town hall. So that's, that's my first pick is the town hall. So you watch the vice presidential debate on the 11th. You watch the town hall on the 16th. And then this is kind of, this is kind of me as a, as a, as a personal thing. I would watch the foreign policy debate moderated by Bob Schieffer, you know, the thunder that is the voice of right. Face the Nation on CBS, I'm, just because I'm an unabashed Bob Schieffer fan. And especially given – I mean I, that's part of it, but the other part of it is that given the rest of the uh, stuff that's been happening in the world, some of the stuff that we've just been talking about, foreign policy debate makes a big-ass deal at this point. It does. Domestic policy is still a big-ass deal, but you're going to get that from the town hall. And I think you're going to get it in a much better setting than you would from just the general domestic policy debate, which is going to be very high politics. Right. The town hall debate is going to be about people saying, I've lost my job. I've been on unemployment insurance. I've just ended unemployment insurance. I'm not even going back into the workforce. What the hell am I supposed to do? You know, that's going to be more that's going to be more direct domestic than than the original domestic policy debate. And the first domestic policy debate it's going to be like the opening night of a play. You know, some stuff will happen. There's going to be some, but it's still the first thing. Give them a minute, right. let them get their legs underneath themselves, and then vice presidential debate, town hall meeting, foreign policy, bam, 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 bam. You're going to have higher quality information coming out of it and also a higher quality sense of, okay, this is what I need to know to make my decision and vote. Right. I'm going to disagree slightly. Slight disagreement. Now, you're you're 100% right that the town hall is going to be focused far more on domestic policies than on foreign policies. You'll probably – it'll be 
probably 80 20 there you'll have a couple of people who are the smarty smarts who are going to want to ask about foreign policy it's going to be jobs it's going to be health care it, right it's going to be mostly domestic policy and it's going to be those right. i'm i'm calling it right now those are going to be the absolute blowing away topics of the night right and and you can expect that however as far as debates are concerned there are some there are some bright spots for the October 3rd this Wednesday's debate on domestic policy. There are many bright spots. A, it's the first debate. Now sure, you say it's like the opening of the of a play. They're not going to be at their at their best. Not to really equate this with American Idol, but if you watch American Idol and I do not, the acts that don't go as planned are usually the most fun. So there's a lot of questions on both sides of the ball here, how things are going to go. And I'm surprised that they're starting off with the domestic policy debate because it seems like the, the, the grandfather of all the debates. That's what people, because everyone cares about domestic policy, be it right or be it wrong. Not everyone cares about foreign policy. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I too am a big fan of Bob Schieffer. I also like Jim Lair, but I, I, I do like Bob Schieffer more. However, I will say this, the domestic policy debate, you're gonna see either triumphant success, really major, huge train wrecks. <laughs> It's going to be the NASCAR of the debates. It's going to be great or it's going to be horrible. And it's much likely to be less po less polished, which are when politicians are the most fun to watch. Because now the president hasn't had a debate in four years. Mitt Romney had 16 Republican debates. So it's it's also the one that's more of a that's more of a toss up as far as normal political leanings are concerned because to get to get a little specific issues here in the foreign policy debate Mitt Romney has no foreign policy chops whatsoever and President Obama can at the very least say I killed Osama bin Laden and then drop the mic and walk off stage. Now, not that either one of those things are a good idea or a bad idea, but there are a lot of people saying the foreign policy debate is going to be slightly one-sided and is going to be a little bit more, we're not going to talk about policy. We're going to talk about platitudes. Whereas the domestic policy debate, you're going to get, taxes you're going to get health care you're going to get all of those other those those political scandals that everyone's been talking about on both sides of the ball you're going to get all of that in the middle of the domestic policy debate and it's the first one so there are going to be some kinks to work out and it's fun for me anyway watching politicians work the kinks out and here's my killer point <laughs> To uh, if you're just going to get the Halo armor, you get the Halo armor uh, about a week sooner if you watch the first, the second, and the third debate instead of the second, the third, and the fourth debate. Now, I'm gonna watch the great thing because I was kind of agonizing while I was thinking about this, going, I don't know which one to pick because I'm really like 50.01 percent versus 49.999. The great thing is I can watch all of them, and I'm going to. So, yeah. Yeah. I was kind of worrying myself there for a minute. Um, but then I remembered I can watch them all in well. So yeah, I, I, I do slightly disagree. I completely agree on town hall and vice presidential. I will slightly disagree on domestic policy, but you really can't go wrong because they're all going to be good. And I actually do agree with you on the first one being like the NASCAR. The flag is going to go up. They're both going to be jockeying for position. Elbows are going to be thrown. Yeah. By yeah. the time you get to – with the multiple debate format, I kind of am not – I'm not a huge fan of doing three presidential debates. I kind of wish they'd just do two because the – because they kind of get too – they get too comfortable. And by the third debate, it seems very polished. The corners are all rounded off. I prefer debates that are – that are, you know, a, a lot less scripted and, you know – all that personally. Now, again, I'm going to watch them all and I'm sure the foreign policy debate is going to be great, but it's, I think it's also the one that people are thinking is not as 
while still a huge deal, it's not as big a deal to the to people that are voting, which is what this is all about. It's about deciding who to vote for. There are going to be far fewer people who are voting or not voting based on foreign policy than there are based on domestic policy. So, which, considering the sheer number of troops that are, you know, at at stake in this in different theaters, that's right. kind of it's yeah. it it is. Now we won't even get into. Never never thought that. After 9-11 and all of the, the patriotism and we'll never forget our blah, 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 that we've come to a point now where it's do you even talk about it? And it's it's a it's a thing that I never thought in a million years that I would see. So we've we've reached it. And I guess for for good or for ill, uh, probably more so for ill. So that's what you got to do. You got to watch the debates. Look next week for our. Official Geek and Review Vice Presidential Debate Drinking Game. Um, also, a Curiosity discovered there was once water on Mars. Just putting that out there. Just throwing that out there. Why don't you go read that? going to link that in the podcast page. We kind of wanted to talk about it today because um, it's really super important to the history of the world. These rocks are the kind of curves that NASA scientists care more about than Christina Hendricks. Right. And they are beautiful. Not as beautiful, but beautiful. And uh, it's it's really a it's it it changes it changes like life. People I, I don't people just aren't as into space as they used to be. It like changes your life. There yeah. used to be water. I mean, that's something that you would that that you would say in a debate somewhere, and people would go, "What? You're fucking crazy!" No, there was. There used to be water that could have supported life on Mars. That's fucking nuts. I'm gonna post that in the podcast page. But for now, we are out of time. So uh, watch us on uh, the Twitter. You go follow us on the Twitter. Uh, you can also shoot us an email to girpodcast@gmail.com. We are searchable on iTunes. And subscribable on your old iTunes. Just search for Geek and Review. You see our little black and uh, black and blue logo pop up right there for Russell Jones. This is Jerry Pappas. Thanks for listening. You're gonna need a lot of alcohol. Mm-hmm.